Welcome to another episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts. Today we are joined by Ian Huffman of the Columbus Blue Jackets and Nationwide Arena. He is their lead ice technician. Good afternoon, Ian. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for joining us for this. We greatly appreciate it. We know that uh, you're probably busy and uh, got a million things going on in your building, but uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us. You bet. Great. Hey, one of the things we wanted to learn from you is how did you find this job that uh, you have at Nationwide Arena and how did you get in the industry? Uh, I started about 15 years ago working for the local chiller ice rinks, uh, just looking for a part-time job, got hired there. And um, after my first year there, we uh, I was asked to start driving um, there at the rink and kind of fell into the, I guess, the passion and the challenge of, of ice making and, you know, and, and everything that goes into it and operating a machine. And um, from there, I, I started downtown at the arena part-time working for the ice crew during games. Um, and then uh, 11 years ago, I took over full-time as the ice tech at the arena. So That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, how much training did you receive uh, prior to coming into this building or while you've been at Nationwide? And what programs have you been a part of uh, for training? Um, I've, I haven't, we didn't do a lot when I was at the rink. Uh, originally, a lot of what I did, um, the guys at the rink had their CIT uh, and I kind of learned from them. So a couple guys that just at the local rink, the facilities guys, that's where I kind of I cut my teeth, I guess, um, and kind of learned from them. Uh, they used to work for our old East Coast team, the Columbus Chill. And when that went away, they, they were hired at the building. And so I kind of learned from them. And then when I, when I went downtown, the, uh, the ice technician at the time, Rich Phillips, um, he, was, he had worked out west uh, in a couple of different buildings for quite a while and had a lot of experience. And um, the three years that I had working under him was really where I learned um, a lot of, um, you know, I guess the, the NHL level, the, the, the multi-purpose facility side of making ice and not just a community rink where it's it's there every day um so it's been a kind of a combination of the two um i've been involved in um taking some of the cit courses uh, as well as helping to teach uh, a couple of them and then with our nhl group we have our professional ice making course uh, that we offer to our members and that course i helped to i was kind of a kind of a part of an education committee that helped to design the course and lay it out and write it. Uh, and then I, I teach that in the summer to our membership as well. Uh, part of the, part of a crew that does that. So. Now that leads uh, to one of the questions I had later, but I'll jump on it now. Um, you're referring to FOMA and Correct, uh, yeah. you're, you're involved with that. I, I know that it's difficult with a lot of cancellations going on uh, due to CV that uh, that's been put off until next year. Um, how how tight is that band of NHL brotherhood uh, as far as you guys reaching out to each other? It's it's been it's been great. Um, when I when I first started going to the meetings ten years ago, um, I could tell there was definitely a, almost you know guys kind of wanted to almost keep things secret. Um, 
the NHL, um, you know, obviously the teams and the officials fill out uh, facility reports and um, we, we would use those. And there's been a, a big push to kind of get away from making it a competition and trying to make, you know, the ice overall within the National Hockey League better. Um, so I think I think in past years there's been a lot more guys leaning on other facilities and, and colleagues in the league uh, to, to kind of learn from them and, you know, creating best practices and standard operating procedures and things like that. So uh, it's, it's really been a great group to be a part of. Um, I'm an officer on the board. Uh, and it's, you know, it's just, it's great working with those guys, um, you know, whether it's a, a weekly call or a monthly call or, you know, the conference in the summer getting together and, and learning. And, you know, they're the guys that go through the same things that you do throughout the season, the, the long days and the long hours and flipping from concert and hockey to basketball and different things like that. So uh, it's, it's really been a, a great group. Do you think that some of the changes in that uh, have to do with the guys getting younger? I know I've been in the industry for, I like to say, 112 years. It hasn't quite been that long, but um, there seems to be a change. There's some of the guys, the real experienced guys um, out there, the Danny Ahearns, the Bruce Theraldsons, uh, Jack from uh, Madison Square Garden, but it seems like there's younger guys now that are coming in, and do you think that that is – um, been helpful in bringing you guys closer together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, whether the, the older guys that have been around for a while and know each other, uh, when we get together, you can see the, the different groups that are getting together. And um, there's a, you know, an understanding, I guess, um, before when, you know, before the meetings and the, these guys were getting into the league, there, there really wasn't anything for them to reference or it was just, you know, who from the league can help out or, you know, who's got the experience, can I call? And now that we've got some turnover and we've had these meetings and getting people together year after year, it's created a better relationships kind of top to bottom and uh, people have been able to definitely help each other out a lot more. Do you think maybe with some of the different things that they've got going on now, that kind of leads to it, like the outdoor games? And I know back, I go back to 2002 being at Salt Lake, that some of those guys uh, created relationships there, but do you think that that also contributes to it? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the league is, you know, continually working each year to, as they go to the different cities to, to involve the local crews uh, as best they can. And uh, based on their availability, uh, bringing some new, you know, kind of new blood into the, into the group itself um, just to give guys experience. And, you know, it's a, it's a whole different bird. Um, you know, make make an ice outdoor. Obviously, if if anybody's, you know, a lot of people have experienced at some point in their career. Um, but it, you know, when you go through it and you spend the time with the guys, two, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, sometimes, um, it definitely definitely helps with that. So, is it on your bucket list to be a part of an Olympic Games sometime in the future? Um, I I. I I've spoken to a lot of the guys that have been a part of it. Um, and from, from that, I, I kind of, there's kind of a mixed feeling like, um, you know, is it, is it something that I want to do? Um, I think, 
you know, I kind of, I haven't really, I can't take it for granted. I guess I have it really good having been around a lot of these players um, for a while, but I, I think, I think if, if the right opportunity came um, for me, I would, I would like to be a part of it for sure. In you obviously, I'm, I'm going to guess, were part of the outdoor game that was down in the Columbus area. Um, is that something, how many of those have you partaken in, if I can ask that question? Uh, well, we haven't had anything here. Um, we had an outdoor rink uh, in the community for a couple years. Um, but with the with the National Hockey League and their uh, Winter Classic and Stadium Series games, I have done 11 of those. Wow. So. That, that's a lot. And some easier than others, or what was the most challenging that you were involved in? Uh, well, my first one was the first one I ever worked was LA at Dodger Stadium. Um, and it was unseasonably hot. Um, you know, the, the air is dry out there. So that was certainly a benefit for us. Uh, but it was, you know, getting into it, you're, you're building ice at night because you, you're not certainly not going to do it in the middle of the day. Um, and, and it, you know, it was kind of a, you know, the, you know, like I said, it's a different challenge. Um, and then five weeks later, um, I go into uh, Chicago at Soldier Field, and it's just the opposite. <laughs> you know, single-digit single highs during the day with a wind chill of, you know, minus whatever. And it was, it was almost too cold. Um, so you go from one extreme to another, and we've had everything in between. I, I worked Dallas this year. and you know, anybody that watched that, you know, saw what, what the crew went through a few days before the game with the rain and the wind. And, um, you know, it's, it's, everyone's been a little bit different as far as, you know, whether it's the, the climate or the, you know, how the stadium is set up and the refrigeration run and different things like that. So, um, you know, the, the experience on the crew certainly helps with that, but, um, there's always, there's always a little bit of problem solving that, that has to go on. And, uh, if you can learn from each one, it, it makes the next one a little bit easier. So it, It's certainly a challenge. I've uh, watched some of those. I've felt for Dan Craig and all that he's had to try to do. And um, every time that he pulls it off and his crew, uh, which you've been part of, many of them, pull it off, I think that that just kind of further emboldens the NHL and saying, oh, yeah, we can do this. And uh not really taking into account what kind of challenges that there are and how close it can be to not being able to host a game. Um, but we, we, as a hockey fan, I greatly appreciate everything that uh, you've done to pull those things off. Um, yeah. Did, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was say, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an event um, in itself and there's so much that goes into it. Um, but you know, the, 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 the crew has the understanding that, you are, you know, you're there for a game. It's a regular season game. It's not an exhibition or just a, you know, just for, you know, entertainment. It's, you know, it's a, it's a National Hockey League game and everybody takes that, you know, takes that to heart and, and does their best. So, yeah. That's awesome. Did you grow up playing hockey? Uh, I didn't. Uh, we would, you know, the neighbor had uh, season tickets for the Columbus Chill and I would go to the gate to the occasional game with them. Um, but wasn't a, wasn't a hockey guy. I started playing probably 12 years ago. Um, once I got into the rink and kind of met a few people and, 
a few invites later, I finally gave in and found some used gear and, you know, jersey and stick and kind of learned as I went. So so now you're taking the uh, big boys hard into the corner uh, when yeah. you get the opportunity <laughs> to be on the ice with them? <laughs> not not quite, no. I just no. kind of stay out of the way and keep my stick on the ice. <laughs> That's that's how you got to do it. Mm-hmm. If you park yourself in the net, in front of the net, uh, you can knock in a couple goals. Yep, yep. Are you a collector of hockey memorabilia? And if so, what uh, would be your favorite item that uh, you have so far? Um, I wouldn't say I. I mean, I things that are personal to me, uh, whether it be a, a puck from a game or um, some some different things that the crew has done or uh maybe a piece of piece of an old logo you know a playoff logo uh things like that uh i collect i don't i don't collect anything autographed um never i guess never had a desire or never you know never really wanted anything autographed um i think you know to me it means more if there's a a personal story behind it um you know you go through some some challenging times and whether you, you know, you, you pull a game off and, you know, uncertain, unusual circumstances and you go, man, I, I want to remember that one. And, you know, maybe you, you keep a puck from the game or, um, you know, different things like that. You write the date on it, kind of like you'd see the players, you know, whether they score a hat trick or a reach a milestone in points or something. Um, so that's kind of more of my focus, I guess, um, with the things that I hang on to. So. Cool. I, mine goes back to 2002 when I was at the Olympics in Salt Lake City, and I got the puck that was the winning goal um, when the USA beat Russia in the semifinal. And it was um, it, they didn't change pucks at that time, and it came up into the vomitory, and I was able to gather it in. And it's sitting in my closet and, you know, there's no certificate of authenticity. It's just the memory of me uh, getting, <laughs> yep. getting the puck and putting it in my jacket when, uh, when I caught it. So yep. it's, it's, it's kind of cool to have stuff like that. Uh, and it's, it's interesting. Uh, and I can relate with you where it means more to have something where there's a story behind it. For sure. Um, Absolutely. Yep. What uh, you have a facility that has a practice facility and a community rink attached to the big building. Um, there's only a few of those out. It seems like the NHL is kind of going that direction uh, to have the practice facility close by or attached. Little Caesars up in Detroit, uh, Edmonton, uh, you guys. Um, what kind of challenges do you face? on the NHL side of the building and then on the community side of the building and trying to maintain uh, for two distinctly different uh, user groups. Yeah, we, so I think with us, um, the biggest challenge is it's it's a single plant for both sheets. Um, we we have plenty of tonnage and horsepower to, to make it work, um, but you just have to be diligent of you know, what's going on um, every day, you know, whether it's just practices or games or, you know, on the, on the practice, on the practice rink, the plant can take care of that. Um, but the, the biggest focus for me is during game time uh, or on, on a game day um, is making sure that the practice rink is 
set up to have as little impact on the plant as possible during the game time. Um, so throughout throughout a Blue Jackets game, I'll typically start trying to cool that practice rink down um, maybe three to four hours before the game starts, um, get get the plant running, and then I do my, my same routine before the game, you know, whether it's, you know, resurfacing every hour before up until warm-ups, um, and then monitoring um, – the the plant itself and the demand that the practice rink has uh so i'll keep a track of their resurfacing schedule know when what when they're going to be going out um the, the biggest thing for me is i want to be able to go out have the plant running go out and resurface during intermission or after warm-ups and have that thing freeze as fast as possible and, and get me back down to to the temperature i want um and if the practice rink is resurfacing or if it's too warm and the plant's trying to take care of it, um, I'm not going to be able to do what I need. Uh, so it's a kind of a, it's a constant um, monitoring that I do basically from 4 p.m. through the end of the game. Uh, once that second intermission resurface is complete and I, I meet my temperature, uh, we're in pretty good shape then. So that's uh that's interesting it's going to lead me into a, a bit of a sales pitch um we did uh, a podcast earlier with uh, cody bateman uh down at dallas stars and i'm sure you're probably pretty tight with him if you worked the outdoor game with him uh what uh is in your fleet as far as machines and have you seen or give consideration to uh either the fast ice or level ice products that uh, are available for our equipment um, I have. Uh, I know. I know Cody very well. Uh, spoke to him this morning, actually. Um, and I, I've been. I've familiarized myself with both. Uh, we have a 500 in the practice rink. We have a 540 and a 545 um, in the um, on the main side. And don't have either of those products, but um, I think it's something that. Um, you know, for, for me, I'm, I guess I'm kind of old school as far as um, I want the guys operating the machines to be able to do that, um, to be able to, to make those adjustments um, and be that familiar and that comfortable on the machine to be able to make those adjustments, um, understanding the ice um, and, and the, the depth of it. Um, and then obviously with the, the le uh, you know, on the level ice side, the depth of it and keeping it. Uh, keeping it that way, but also the fast ice side. Um, for me, I haven't, um, I I have not specifically been on a machine with fast ice. Um, I've been through Cody's facility. I've watched uh, uh, probably a handful of his games um, and kind of how the you know watching how the ice sets up and uh, kind of the the look of it afterwards. Um, for me, I think um, I think the you know the the fast ice i don't think it for me i don't think it it is necessarily um any different of a sheet of ice um as long as you can um kind of maintain your your ice throughout the day um i have because of my building um we're not as busy as others so i have the time to to build ice properly uh, with the machine or spraying, um, the fast ice system would allow for that. 
Um, but I think, you know, for me, I, I think I'm pretty comfortable with what I have now. So. Cool. Um, what you talked about operators, what kind of uh, difficulties or challenges might you run into? Uh, do you have interchangeability between the drivers or do you specifically have a crew that's the NHL side and then the community rink side? The, the local rink, the local chiller ice rink staff, the, the practice ice side uh, on their own. And then I kind of, I've kind of pulled from them as far as uh, some of the experienced guys that they've had uh, guys that have been around the city for a while that were working when I started uh, as well as, um, you know, I kind of keep an eye on the guys in the practice rink and the guys that really, you know, they, they take the time to do the little things with, as far as ice maintenance and caring for the machine and stuff like that. And that, that comes a long way or that goes a long way with me um, as far as somebody that, that I would trust on, on a machine during an NHL game. Um, I'm lucky enough that the, the staff that is at the chillers, um, when, when their staff starts there, they, they do a, a great job of teaching them to drive the right way and to operate the machine the right way. Um, so there's, there's not a, a language barrier or, another step that I'm kind of looking for them to take as far as, you know, seeing how they operate the machine or how comfortable they are on the machine. Um, so for me, it's, it's kind of watching those guys and I can speak to the guys that I'm, you know, close with at the chiller and say, Hey, you know, who, who's the next guy in line? You know, if, if I want another driver to kind of fold into the mix here and I have, a I have about a half a dozen guys that, um, I can rotate on the machines throughout games. Um, and, you know, if there's another guy I need, I can kind of go to them and, and I value their opinion enough that, you know, they can say, hey, this, this guy would be good. I've, I've seen him drive. He, he cares. He, you know, he takes care of the machine. He looks after it. Um, and, that, and that goes a long way. So, Cool. Hey, I've, uh, in my years of travels, I've liked to find places to eat. Uh, that are unique, not necessarily the chains. I try to avoid those. Obviously, you're not going to be able to uh, when you travel. But uh, in Columbus, what would be a go-to restaurant? And I'm going to throw my brain's not functioning real well, but I think there's a hot dog place not too far from the uh, Greyhound bus station that with Dirty Franks yep. maybe or something like that, if I recall correctly. Yep. Yep, um, Dirty Franks. It's Yep. Okay. Uh, would that be a place that you would frequent or what would be your go-to place for uh, whatever your favorite meal is in Columbus? Um, I, I don't frequent Dirty Franks a lot. Uh, there's, there's a fair number of our staff uh, on the Blue Jacket side that, um, you know, when it, when it was possible, uh, they, would, they would go almost weekly, a, little, a small group of them, uh, go over to Dirty Franks for lunch. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a popular spot. I've had it a few times. It's, it's a, it's a, it's worth, worth the price. It's a, you know, it's a great hot dog. Um, you know, for me, um, I like to go into the short North, um, just up the, just up high street there from the arena, it's a, you know, the 10 or 15 minute walk. Um, uh, but there's some, some nicer restaurants up there, some good bar food, pint house and the Pearl, uh, the Hubbard grill. Uh, if I want to sit down and have a really good steak, uh, we have Hyde Park Steakhouse up there. Um, 
that's a little bit nicer place. But uh, yeah, I, I like to get into there. Uh, and, you know, if I just want to get away from the bar food, you can go up there and get a good, a really good meal for a good price. So, Great. One thing that I do have a question, and maybe you can fill me in, is about the arches. I've been to Columbus on several occasions for some conferences and trade shows. And as you're going up the main drag, there's these arches going across the street. What's the story behind that, if you can offer an explanation? Um, I'm not sure if there's necessarily, um, or I, I guess I don't know what the story is behind it. Uh, we do have a, a large archway, stone archway across the road from the arena um, that sits at a at a park. Uh, and that, that archway was the original archway for the Union train station that used to be downtown years ago, decades ago. Um, and when they started developing the land around the arena, they wanted to, because that, that station no longer existed, they, it was such an iconic piece of the city. They wanted to make sure they didn't want to just get rid of it. They wanted to make sure that they could, um, you know, preserve it somehow. And the, the folks that kind of set up the, the nationwide arena district, um, they said, I, let's put it right here. It'll be a great spot for it. Um, you know, kind of neighbors, the arena there. Um, and it'll, it'll be a good good place so i can't remember how many you know tons it is um but it's giant uh and they were able to to move it all in one piece put it on the back of a trailer um and it, it took several days i think to get it moved uh from one spot to the other but uh, it was successful it stayed all in one piece um and if you know if you ever come down to the arena you can see it right across the street there and to think that somebody pick that up, put it on a trailer and moved it down the road, you know, several blocks. Um, it's kind of a, kind of a feat, um, impressive feat, I guess, uh, to think of somebody doing that. So. Well, I've been fortunate enough to come down uh, to your arena and that area on several occasions. And it's really, in addition to it being a huge college town, which um, that's on my bucket list is to see a game at the Ohio state, uh, it's it's a very fun area, a lot of things to do, and if people um, want to go to see an NHL game, it's one of the better buildings in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, Nationwide Realty, uh, they they were the entity that, that founded that kind of idea of having a district around the arena, uh, developing it, the restaurants, the bars, the shopping, um, the, the condos and the living area, the office spaces, uh, and it, it just continues to grow. Uh, we've got a few new hotels going up in the area. They put the, the AAA baseball park uh, across the street from us there, the Columbus Clippers, uh, and then down the road from that, now they're working on the new soccer stadium for the Columbus crew. So uh, it's, it's been quite the, quite the changes in the last 20 years since, since the team was – uh, since they started, but yeah, they've done a, really done a great job of developing that area. Great. Uh, I've got a couple of questions. We've got uh, Marty Elliott sitting in as well, and he's got a couple. I'll wrap up my questions and then uh, throw it at uh, Marty. Um, we've talked recently with Al Sabatka of uh, the Detroit Red Wings, uh, and he's got uh, a big pregame barbecue that he hosts a few times a year during the season. Uh, do you have anything that uh, is a tradition similar to that, either pre or post game, uh, for your team or 
uh, people that come to visit the arena? Uh, not really. For me, um, I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm there all day. Uh, typically, my day starts about 6 a.m. on a game day. So um, come 5, 6 p.m., you're, you're 12 hours into the day, but you're just getting started on the, on the most important part of it. Um, so I, I always have my pregame coffee. Um, and, and my guys will they'll walk down and uh, to the press lounge together at once everybody's kind of changed and, and in uniform and kind of go down together and grab a, a coffee and, and get kind of get things ready to go. So um, no no barbecue or anything. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely definitely have to have the coffee to get the get the mind going again and, and be ready for you know whatever the game brings. So. One of these days, I hope to get old enough to and cultured enough to drink coffee and enjoy it. If it uh, tasted <laughs> like it smelled, I'd be all over it. But unfortunately to me, it tastes like burnt water. Yeah. Um, yeah. The last question I've got for you uh, before I toss it to Marty for a couple is, what is with the cannon? <laughs> okay, I, I've been there for a few different games, one of which was an all-star game where the scoring was non-ending. So we got to hear that cannon. And how many people have been scared senseless because of that cannon? Uh, it it is it is quite a surprise when you hear it for the first time. Uh, it's it's always an enjoyment when you see the you know new teams come in and the rookies um, the rookies that haven't been in the building and they forget about it and you know we we see the videos within the office or you know posted somewhere on social media of you know a, whether it be a broadcast member or a writer or a player or a coach, um, you know, getting scared by it. Um, it's, you know, it sits there in the, in the corner of the arena. Um, and, you know, the all-star game was a, a bit of a, you know, an overkill, I guess, on the cannon. But, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's always good, obviously, when we're scoring and we hear it more. But, um, yeah, it's it's quite loud and it'll definitely surprise you when you go in there. That's one of the the most unique uh, sound effects that I've heard, and uh, not to mention scary. I think if you're when you're not expecting it. So yeah. um, I want I, I want to toss this over to Marty um, so that he can ask a few questions. Marty, uh, you're there. Fire away uh, for some of your questions, please. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. Thanks. Hey, Ian. How are you? Uh, great. Great. Good, good. Good to hear from you. Yeah, I just got a couple questions from you. I guess the first one is. Uh, if you can look back for uh, the time in your tenure at the Nationwide Arena, uh, perhaps uh, a fond memory of a player or a coach or a crazy situation that you might might be able to share with us. Uh, do you have anything you want to share uh, with the listeners? Um, I guess my time there. Um, obviously, we've we've had some rough years. Um, Eleven years that we've got a great group now as far as our hockey operations and coaching and and players, and we're we're in a pretty good spot as far as the organization goes. Is you know, getting better each year and improving and, um, you know, winning our first series, first ever playoff series last year against Tampa was huge. Um, I would say that's probably the most memorable for me at this point. Um, you know, the looking back and, and being able to be a part of, you know, we've had some home wins in the past um, with the playoffs and that's kind of that, that new benchmark um, was, you know, being able to be, you know, be in the building and, you know, for game four and watching us win a series and, you know, for, for a lot of the people, you know, myself, I've been there for, 
for a majority of the time, but the people that have been around for so long and, you know, some of the, the people that have been around day one, whether it's staff or, you know, season ticket holders or, um, you know, just seeing seeing them kind of feel a, a bit of a reward from that and, and their time and, and effort that's been in. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's been great. Um, we've had a, certainly a, a good number of head coaches and assistant coaches. Uh, and I can't, I can't say a bad thing about anybody. Um, the sport itself is great um, being around and, and the people are great. Um, so we're working with the coaches and the, and the players uh, and the training staff, like I do because the practice rink is there, they're, they're in my building every day. Um, right. A lot of the, a lot of the other big buildings, you know, the guys that look after the ice aren't necessarily going to the practice rink um, to, to take care of things. So I have, I have a little closer relationship, I think uh, with, with the, with that group because, because I have the practice rink in the building, but um, it's everybody, everybody has truly been great. Um, you know, helping me along, especially when I started and, you know, it was very green uh, as far as my knowledge of the, of the industry and, you know, I can remember my first year um, coming in. It's it's August. It's summertime. Uh, we get into camp in September, preseason, and um, you know, players are all over all over the ice. And um, you know, it was a couple weeks of it, and I just you know, I, at that at that point, I just kind of had my head down and and just get my work done and trying to trying to do things as best I could. And um, I think it was maybe the second week of the season. Um, Ken Hitchcock was our coach at the time. Um, one of the media had said something, had brought brought up the ice to him, and he said, "Hey, look, he's new. He's figuring things out. You know, he's going to get better. But the ice isn't the reason we're losing hockey games. So uh, how um, we're not we're, we're not going to we're not going to blame the ice. And you know, at that point, I I didn't know Hitch very well, and I I probably you know I probably should have walked in his office and thanked him." Um, you know, for saying that and sticking up for me. And I think that was a huge part of, you know, getting me through my first year um, was it, it kind of let me put everything behind me and, and move forward. And obviously you go into winter time, it's a little bit easier to do our job in the winter time, in most cities. So, um, you know, things got better and I, I learned from, you know, different things that I was doing and, you know, the conversion side of it and clean up and um, how to better maintain and build ice and things like that. Um, so it was quite quite the learning experience my first year, but that that certainly stuck out as as far as something that you know I needed at the time, but didn't know you know didn't sure. really expect it to to be there. But yeah, it was it was huge. Yeah, that's uh, that's you know that's a great story to tell uh, the support because uh, a lot of the um, head engineer ice uh, technicians of the NHL rinks sometimes don't have that. Uh, that uh, relationship from the uh, team side. So it's nice to uh, hear that uh, a coach did what he did standing up for you. I got to ask you though. Uh, I mean, we all see on the media side, uh, John Tortorelli <laughs> torts, how he is <laughs> with reporters. Uh, how, how, how is uh, torts with uh, you guys? Uh, does he give you feedback uh, positive or negative and, and how, how involved is he with uh, the ice operations? Uh, for me, torts is um, he's very much, you know, he, he's, I don't want to, what's the, the phrase I want to use here? He, he kind of, he worries about what he's supposed to be worrying about. 
um, which he knows is coaching the players and in, in that day to day. Um, if there's if there's an issue with the ice or something during practice or a game, um, he's not going to be the guy that you know calls me out or you know calls me in and says, "Hey, what's going on?" He he'll have a, an assistant coach come down and um, whether it's just something that you know, hey, we want to resurface during practice or we're going to switch and we're going to, you know, we're going to do power play in the practice rink. Then we're going to come over to the main side for practice. Um, all of that is funneled through the assistant coaches. Um, so I don't really I don't really ever have any conversations with with him or really in the past any of the head coaches um, that, you know, as far as ice goes, because um, it's, you know, they they understand the business. Uh, they understand kind of what we go through. Um, and I think, I think there's a, a respect, you know, for myself that, you know, he, he, he knows what he's doing and they're going to be challenging, and, you know, as long as he feels like I'm giving the best effort and, um, you know, it's, it's just going to be, it is what it is kind of deal. And, right. um, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's great support, uh, to have that, uh, with your uh, main tenant, which leads me into uh, non ice and ice, uh, uh, events. Uh, what are the biggest challenges uh, as far as uh, converting back and forth uh, that you guys have to go through? Or are there any major challenges uh, going from non-ice to ice and ice to non-ice? Um, we, I, I think for us, um, and I've kind of learned it over the years, um, it's it's about protecting the ice uh, when you're going into a, a concert or a non-hockey event. Um, so it's it's putting the floor down, doing it the right way. Um, having good flooring as well, uh, stuff that's not beat up, stuff you're not going to have to clean up afterwards. Um, going going through that process, uh, we have a great conversion crew there. Um, that's they, you know, their priorities are in line as far as, you know, we've got a game tomorrow morning. We're changing over to concert tonight, um, so we need to get the ice ready first so he can come in first thing early in the morning and start getting it cleaned up um you there's there's the occasional surprise i guess um whether it be you know just a a, a lot of spills or mop water anything like that that gets down on the ice that you have to clean up uh most most cleanups are pretty standard as far as going out shaving a bucket or two off off the top a resurface and then you know kind of look at it and see what else you have to pick out uh, you know, if there's anything that kind of got into the ice below the surface um, and that sort of thing. So we have a duty cycle on the on the ice plant itself so that the ice is covered. It's kind of insulated. So uh, the coldest part of the rink is in the middle there where the sensors are in the slab. Um, so where you're going to start warming up is around the outside along the boards. Uh, you've got extra more airflow there. Um, so what the duty cycle does is allows that glycol in those lines to circulate uh, and you can set it you know ours is it runs for 10 minutes every hour um, and then if it's still at set point uh, it'll shut itself off it, if it feels that it's warming up um, it'll it'll cool it down to where it's you know to whatever you need it to be and then shut itself back off so uh, that certainly right. helped we did not have a duty cycle when I started um, so you would have the, the dehydration. If you were covered for, for more than a few days, uh, you'd have that dehydration or separation that you get along the boards, around the boards, where, you know, sometimes if it was even longer, that pump's not running, you're you're going out and, 
you know, patch and paint or slushing or, you know, trying to pack those edges back in, uh, in the duty cycles, it's been great for not having to worry about that. So for our, for our general, uh, general public listeners uh, to this podcast, I wonder how many actually realize when they're at a non-ice event that the ice is still underneath their feet. They, I've talked to some people and they think that the ice has been removed and put back in after a concert. Meanwhile, it's been under their feet the whole time. I'm sure you've probably yeah. uh, seen that uh, a fair amount as well. Hey, I'm going to pass this back to uh, Doug Peters. Uh, Ian, thanks uh, for uh, sharing the information. Great to hear from you. You bet. You too. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Bob. Marty, thank you for the great the, thank you for the great questions. And Ian, I want to thank you for taking time with us today. Uh, and spending uh, some time and giving us uh, a lot of great insight into what goes on at Nationwide Building as well as the practice facility. And I, I just can't thank you enough for, for doing this, sir. It's greatly appreciated. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's nice, nice talking to you guys and joining you and kind of sharing a little bit of my story. And, you know, like, like you said, when, you know, there's the old guys in the league now and one day I'll be one of those old guys. So, I can get if I can get some information out now. I'll <laughs> you're you're you know. a young guy, but you're a very experienced guy, Ian, and it's been a pleasure to work with you. And I look forward to when the opportunity arises, when I can either get back down to Columbus or uh, when we get together for a FOMA meeting and have a chance to chat again. Absolutely, I, you guys are always welcome. So great, thank you. I want to thank everyone for joining us today. This is episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts. We hope you'll come back for another installment in the future. Have a question for one of our experts or an idea for a future episode? Please email your questions or request to info at Zamboni.com. For more info and additional podcast episodes, please visit Zamboni.com forward slash podcast or search Ask the Zamboni Experts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. This is Doug Peters wishing you an ice day.